Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Good to see you. My name is Caleb. This is Chrissy. And uh, we have the joy of being the lead pastors of this church. Um, What an incredible church it is, too. God's been doing amazing things. Today is Vision Sunday. I hope you guys are excited. Um, Man, as you saw on the video, we had an amazing 2019. In fact, our giving went up um, right around 100% from 2018, which, if you don't know, is not normal. In fact, in the seven, six years leading up to this last year, our giving went up anywhere from 5 to 10% every year. So to have a jump like that was amazing, but it was also what we needed because we've been paying for a building every month while meeting here and at our campus in West Sac, um, but we're this close to moving in. So who's excited for the new building? We're almost there. Um, we wanted to update you. Um, so here's what's going down. We have a completion date of April 24th. We should be moving in a few weeks after that, sometime in May, once we get our, our music and production stuff set up. But we wanted to kind of break down what is still needed. So here's what's happened so far. Um, here's what we needed. Here are some of the things that are already done. Um, here's what we have in the building fund currently. And that is what we need. So we are $160,000 short of finishing this building fully, furnishing it fully. So some of you are looking at that going, man, that's, that's a lot of money. Let me tell you, it's actually not because we serve a big God. It may look like a big number, but we serve a big God. And we have um, had an incredible year. And I believe we're going to have it. We're going to get this in the next two months. So we have two months to finish strong. How many of you know it's the fourth quarter? It's the 11th hour. It's crunch time, all right? It's the two-minute drill. I'm going to use as many sports analogies as I can um, because I love sports and and to help you guys get this. But we can do this, church. So here's what I'd ask you to do. Number one, if you made a commitment to our Believe Again campaign fund, a lot of you made commitments over the last six months. If you made a commitment, I want to ask you that you would finish it in the next two months. Some of you have, but honestly, if we finished all of our commitments, we would have everything we need. Second, um, if you haven't made a commitment or you already fulfilled your commitment, but God's putting something else on your heart or putting something on your heart, I would ask you to say, God, what do you want me to do? Or I'll do it. And in the next two months to give sacrificially so we can hit this number. Now hear me. Even if we don't get 160000 in the next two months, we're moving in, okay? But wouldn't you rather move in with all the bells and whistles? This baby is ready to go 100%. Who's believing for it with me? We're believing 160000 in the next two months. I'll keep you updated, but we are almost there, and we cannot wait. Amen. Well, we wanted to give you that quick update, but guess what? Today is Vision Sunday, and that means for us and what we believe and what we're declaring over our church and over our church family is the word victory. Somebody say victory. 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 Amen. And I don't know if you know this song. But it goes a little something like this. Oh, victory in In Jesus, Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. We didn't even practice this. Love me there, I knew him, and all my love is through him. Okay, hold on. That's the thing. I just start going like this. 
With his redeeming. We're done. We're done. Okay, all right, great. That was very well rehearsed. But I just kind of want to go like this and skip around when you hear the song and you're talking about victory. Right, you just kind of want to skip around and you're really happy. But I'm telling you something right now, Project Church, we're moving into a new season. We're moving into new territory. And victory looks a little like less like skipping in and a little bit more like victory. Church, we are walking in victory. We are walking in God's promises. We are walking in the fulfillment of what he had for us from the beginning of time. And I want you to understand that this is what our rally cry is this year. It's not us skipping around 2020, kind of happy, kind of joyful. No, we are walking in victory. We are walking in our inheritance. We are walking in the sureness that we serve a good God that loves his church and is going to give good things to his church. Now, I believe that not just for this church, but every single one of our individual lives. Amen? Yeah. So, we are believing victory, but how many of you just like to win? Like, I, I just like to win. I'm a, unfortunately, I'm a Kings fan, so I, I don't know a lot about that with them, but, but I like to win. I mean, I, I just love winning. Like, all I do is win. You know, like, that's just, that's what I love. And so, I love this term and this idea of victory. And the best part of victory is that as followers of Christ, as God's people, we walk in an eternal state of victory. You want to know why? Because God was victorious. Jesus already conquered death, hell, and the grave. So if you know Jesus, you walk in a state of victory. Eternal state of victory. Victory all the time. Winner all the time. But here's the hard thing is that life can actually make you feel like a loser. Life can actually make you feel like you're being defeated. Life can actually beat you down and beat you up and discourage you and depress you. And what I see is a lot of Christians, even though we should be walking in a state of victory, we are stuck in a mindset of defeat. And we're stuck because of what comes against us. And I think it's because we don't understand uh, and don't grasp truly what victory looks like. And so today, we want to talk to you about victory. We want to talk to you about the power of victory. And we're going to do that looking at the book of Psalms. So go to Psalm 44. Pet peeve. It's the book of Psalms. But if it's one psalm, it's a psalm. It's not Psalms 44. Okay, anyways, you guys don't care. Okay, Psalm 44, here we go. Chrissy's going to read it for us. Oh God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us, what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them. But your right hand and your your right arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. So let me just set this up. Psalm 42 and Psalm 44 actually uh, have the same intro. So that actually says at the, at the beginning of both these psalms, psalms is to the choir master, a maskil of the songs of Korah. So we don't actually know 100% like who was Korah, who was the author of these psalms, but we know that these two go together. We know that Psalm 42 is all about the defeat of the Israelites, how they have no peace, how they've been attacked, how they're discouraged. 
But then Psalm 44 transitions to their victory. That God came in, so the people of Israel who were captured by Egypt, right? They were, they were slaves in Egypt. They wander in the wilderness. Then God gives them the victory in the land of Canaan, gives them their promised land. There's this transition from 44, defeat, discouragement, to, to, from 42 to 44, a victory that God saved them. So this is what we're reading here. Go ahead. <laughs> That's what we're reading here. But what we understand, and especially through a lot of other stories outside of the Psalms, um, that there are challenges to victory. There's challenges that come to with our victory. And through reading the scripture, we're going to give you three challenges of victory, then three joys of victory, and then finally how we can respond to the victory that we have. So number one, the first challenge of victory is this. We simply hear about it from spiritual people. We simply hear about victory from spiritual people. It says in verse 1, Oh God, we have heard with our ears what our fathers have told us and everything that you did for them. So how many people have some spiritual people in their lives that walk around in victory and they tell you about all the victories that God has performed in their lives? And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's kind of annoying. Because it's like, cool, you're walking in victory and then you think about the situation then struggle and trial that you're facing and you're wondering, man, will that victory be for me too? Maybe that's not you in this place, but I do think that God reminds us throughout Scripture that, that yeah, we do have, sometimes have that, that mindset, but he reminds us in Acts 10.34, truly I understand, this is what Peter says, that God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. He is no respecter of persons. And what he has done in the past for our fathers and mothers, he will do again for us. That is the God that we serve. Yes, we honor what God has done for our fathers and our mothers and our spiritual big brothers and big sisters. But we are going to trust God to do something in our own lives. Because here's the thing. I believe that sometimes until we receive our own victory, can we ever start to believe for victory in us? other people's lives. Sometimes we're just wanting to live off of other people's victory or like, or wish that we had their victory. And you're wondering, why don't I have that victory? And we're like, God, am I not your favorite? Let me remind you something here today. God shows no partiality. He's no respecter of persons. And here's the reason why. Every single one of you is his favorite. Every single one of you is his favorite. And I know that we've told this story over and over. I'm going to tell you again because it happens literally every night. Canaan, David, my oldest son, I have three kids. Canaan, eight. Kai, six, almost seven. And Charlie, five. So here's the routine every, every night. Mom cuddle with me first, cuddle with me first. And they're just, you know, I think we've passed down this whole competitive nature thing. I don't know. We must have done that. And, and, and they're just wanting me to get, get to them first. And so when I lay down with one of them, I scratch their backs like this whole way and then this whole way, this whole thing. And then I cuddle and then they whisper in my ear. Kanan will say, Mommy, who's your favorite? And I'll be like, Kanan, because his brother's in the bottom bunk. Kanan, you're my favorite. Okay, kisses, hugs, uggamuggas, cheek to cheek, kiss, and then I go down to Kai's bed, and he's just like, Mommy, scratch my back. So I scratch it all the way this way and then this way, and then they're like, Mommy. Kai's like, Mommy, who's your favorite? And I say, Kai, you're my favorite. And then I go over to Charlie's bed, and she's like, Mommy, scratch my back. Okay, scratch your back, scratch your back. Okay, kisses, 
uggamuggas with our nose, Eskimo kisses, cheek to cheek, butterfly kisses, real kisses, high fives. Mommy, who's your favorite? Charlie, you're my favorite daughter. She's my only daughter. And here's the thing, and I know other parents with multiple kids can attest to this, that none of them is favored over the other, but each of them are uniquely loved by me. Each of them are uniquely very different. They, are, they, they, they elicit different emotions in me, and so I love them differently. And God's wanting to remind you that you don't just have to hear about the things that other people have had victory in. You have access to that victory as well because you are my favored one. So it, number one is something, the challenge of victory we simply hear about from spiritual people. That can be a challenge. Number two, it becomes something that happened back then. So verse one, verse one, it says, what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. My kids, uh, we were driving to the game yesterday, my boys' game, and I had the boys with me, and they were like, Dad, tell us about like back in your day. And they said, Kana says to me, what was it like not having electricity? And I was like, dang, bro, like, how old do you think I am? Like, do you know what year electricity was invented? He's like, well, Dad, you said you didn't have cell phones. I'm like, we didn't. We had the kitchen phone with the cord that wrapped around the whole house. You know, you could walk anywhere. How many of you feel me with that? Um, the 50-foot the cord. And uh, I, I was like, we had those. And so I was explaining to him, like, oh, wow, that seems really different. Did you have bathrooms inside? I was like, what is wrong with you guys? But I think sometimes we're, we're like, my kids were like, man, what was it like back then? Like God did a lot of amazing things back then. Like there was revival in the church back then. God moved in, the, in our nation back then. And, and Project Church even was powerful like back then when it started, you know, seven years ago. But what about now? And I just want to tell you, like we cannot rely and we must not rely on past victories now, they are testaments to us, but we believe for new victories in our lives, new victories in our church. And in this culture, it seems like we're a postmodern, post-Christian culture that we're walking through going, well, our best days are behind us, but I today declare that our best days are in front of us, that God has greater victories for your life, greater victories for your family, greater victories for your future, and definitely greater victories for our church. God has greater things ahead of us than are behind us. It can't just become something that happened back then, but that's the challenge of victory. We get caught up in, well, it was just for them, but God's saying, I want to do a new thing. We are walking into a new season. You know what that means? New victories. Some of you need to get excited because you've been walking in a series and a state and a mindset of defeat, and God's saying, maybe these defeats are just setups for some new victories. You need to get ready, start doing some dancing, and say, I'm ready, God. Let's go. New victories coming 2020. We're believing, church. We won't let that be a challenge anymore, and nor will we let this challenge of victory be the case. We feel like we didn't do anything to earn the victory. Sometimes the challenge of victory is feeling that we didn't do anything to earn it. And it says this in verse 3. Not through the sword, nor their own arm, were they saved. Guess what? If you're thinking that, that that's a challenge to your victory, that you didn't do anything to earn it, well, guess what? You didn't do anything to earn it. Get over it. You didn't do anything to earn it. This is the thing. We serve a God who 
allows us to partner with him in a victory that he's already claimed. And sometimes I believe we walk into some of these challenges and we're not ready to receive the victory because we think that we have to do something to earn it. And God's saying, no, I'm allowing you to partner with me in the victory. And instead of coming into this battle, this spiritual battle or this hardship or this hard situation in your life, instead of coming into it all like, oh, man, I'm not going to win the victory because I, I have to do this and I have to do that. No, he's saying walk into it knowing that you are on the winning side, that the victory is already mine. I'm just going to let you receive it and partner with me in it. And so we need to start shifting our perspective and understanding that our perspective in victory is everything. And here's the thing. I think sometimes we just say, I didn't do anything to earn it or that's not going to happen for me. And these are the challenges of, of, of receiving victory. But I really believe that's a very selfish perspective. And you're saying, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm not going to get the victory because of these things. Well, listen. Selfishness and pride is not too different from self-pity. Both are destructive. Both are sinful. And both are going to keep you from walking in the perspective of victory that God wants to give you and wants you to enjoy. So let's start believing that as a challenge and start saying, I didn't have anything to do with it. Thank you, Jesus, that you have the victory. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to believe in it. And I'm going to trust you for it. So those are some challenges of victory, but how many of you know there are way more joys of victory? Like, y'all raise your hand, like, I like to win, and uh, there are some amazing joys of victory. And we see it in this text, number one, is that God does the hard work. That should give you joy. Like Chrissy just said, um, it, the challenge can be that we, don't, we didn't do anything to earn it, but the joy of it is that God did the hard work for us. That God already earned the victory that we get to just walk into as his people. It says in verse number two, it says here, you with your own hand drove out the nations. You afflicted the peoples. It goes on, second part of verse three. But your right hand and your arm, by your right hand and your arm, and the light of your face did you save us. What is that saying to you? It's saying God did the hard work. I'm thankful for a God that's always working for me. He's always working behind the scenes. And I said it earlier, some of you, you've been walking in a state of defeat and, and discouragement because of a season you're in and a situation that you walk through. But maybe God's allowing that because he's working behind the scenes to prepare you for the victory that's walking you and taking you into something greater than you would have had if you'd stayed in the place that you were. So what we often see as defeat God is actually, that's how bad it is. It makes your voice cr crack. Defeat. It actually, what we actually see as defeat, God is saying, no, 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 that was the beginning. That was step one of your victory. Not in your power, but through mine. Not through your perspective, but through mine. That's what God does. So I, I played co college basketball, and I told you guys this. It was a small NAI school, and I played for four years. And in my sophomore year, and my junior year, and my senior year, I had a guy on the team who never touched the court. He was the worst player on the team, and so he never played. He touched the court a few times when we were up by like 40. And uh, my sophomore year, we won the national championship. We all got rings, and my man wore that ring every single day. He walked around campus showing people. He'd be in class, hey, uh, a teacher, I just wanted to raise my right hand so you could see um, my ring that I won. I mean, this dude posted selfies, pictures online. He, I mean, he was like, I won. 
He never touched the court, but he won a national championship. My junior year, we won it again, back-to-back national champs. Y'all didn't know this about me. But, but, um, but we, we won, and he got another ring. And now he's going to class with rings on both hands. And he's just like, yup, yup, letting all his friends know, letting the teachers know, letting online know. So, you know, this was in the days of MySpace, letting MySpace know. Um, Zanga, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, um, he, he, he let everybody know he had these two rings my senior year. We're going in. We're going for the three-peat. We get to the national championship game. We lose by two points. And so I, I, I'm, at the end of the game, I'm weeping. And I don't cry, but I don't know. It just hit me like so hard. It was the end of my career. I'm crying, and I look over, and there he is, like right next to me, weeping, crying. And I'm thinking like, this dude didn't even play. <laughs> but you know what? I started to think about it. And I started to think about his role on the team. You see, he showed up every day and practiced hard. He challenged us and made us better. He was in the van and he was always full of joy and encouragement. He was on the bench, first one on his feet every time we scored, cheering for us, high-fiving us, lifting us up. When coach was yelling at me, he would pull me aside and encourage me. He had his role to play. Let me tell you something. God does the hard work, but you still have a part to play in it. It may not be the star player. Maybe you are just the encourager, but that's still a part. And God is saying to us today, I'll work. I'll do the hard part. But if there's going to be victory, I need my people being faithful alongside of me. God lets us play a part in the victory. How many are thankful for that today? That he gives you a part to play. Look at your neighbor say, I got a part. Amen. So there's joy in our victory when we understand that God does the hard work. But second, there's joy in the victory when we recognize that God gives the victory to those who he delights. Somebody say delights. Delights. I've been thinking about this with my kids lately, and it's possibly because I, I throw the word love around probably more often than I need to. I love this. I love that show. I love my kids. I love you. I love you. I love that. I love mochi. I love, you know, mm-hmm. mochi ice cream balls. They're Boba. the best. Boba. I love boba. So do you hear me? I use the word love a lot. And so I was thinking the other day when Charlie was asking me to play dress up yet another time. And it's something that I never did personally when I was growing up. And she's a little too girly for my taste, but that's okay. It's all right. Whatever. I still give her pink basketballs and hope that she will golf one day. But I I just kind of redirected her. But as I redirected her, I said, I love you, honey. I love you, honey. I'll play with you later. I'll play with you next time. I have like 10 minutes before I got to get the, the dinner on the stove, okay? And so I redirected her and then I just was really challenged. We had winter break last week, and again, she wanted to play dress-up. Again, she wanted to play with her Elsa and Anna dolls. She no other Barbies, just Anna and Elsa. And she just wanted me to play with her, and I really challenged myself to just delight in her. I mean, I know I told her that I loved her, but when I delighted in her, it was more of enjoying playing with her and paying attention to which dress she liked on Anna, which style of dress, Frozen 1 or Frozen 2 on Elsa, you know, which one. And then I understood how the game worked that she got that was also Frozen themed. You know, there's all these things that I delighted in with her, and I'm telling you, she lit up brighter than I've seen in the day-to-day busyness of our lives. And I really believe that sometimes because we just say, oh, God loves us, I think we don't take that 
to heart all the time. We don't read it with agape, unconditional love. We might just hear it the same way we use it here in modern day terms. Oh, I love you. I love that. No big deal. But when I sat and delighted with Charlie and the things that delighted her, I recognized that there was a depth in our relationship that was was forging. And I believe that she was more joyful. And let me tell you this, when you are facing something difficult, God delights in you. And he delights in every single detail of the hardship, every single detail of your celebration. He loves you so much, but he also delights in you. And that is the joy that we have in victory. He gives us the victory because he cares about every single detail of your life. We serve a God who doesn't just love us. I mean, some of us think, oh, he loves us, but he's like, buck up. Put on that armor, kids, and win the war. Come on, do it. I love you. I love you. No, no, no. He's saying, I love you. I delight in you. I see what you're going through, and I'm going to give you the victory. Amen? The third plan of joy of victory is that God plants and frees us through that victory. If you were listening when I read it, it says that he, with his hand, drove out the nation's but them you planted, them being the Israelites. Said you afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. What does God do in victory? He plants us and he frees us. You see, there's something about knowing that you have eternal victory that frees you from the cares of this world. You see, if you, uh, uh, if this world is all you have, and your job is all you have, and, and this relationship is all you have, if this is the end all, then you are bound to this world. You're in bondage to this world. And you're also in bondage to the success of this world or things going your way in this world. But when you begin to understand, like, man, I have eternal victory with Christ. It doesn't matter if I lose my job, if my bank account, if I go bankrupt, if the stock market drops because the coronavirus is out there. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't matter all the stuff that's happening around us. We don't feel discouraged and defeated because we know at the end of the day, I still win. I have eternal victory. There's a freedom that comes. That is the joy of victory. You are not bound by the things of this world. You're not bound by situations or circumstances going your way or the way you want them to go. You know I have an eternal victory. It frees us. But it also says that it plants us. I just want to challenge you. There's something about being planted, isn't there? about being rooted. When you're planted, you grow. When you're planted, there's fruit. God wants us planted, and he wants to plant you somewhere. And we live in a non-committal culture, and we have a good amount of millennials in our church, and, and y'all don't like to commit to anything. And, and I just want to challenge you that you will plant yourself in this new season because we're walking into a season in our church where God is calling us to have an eternal, uh, I don't know about eternal, but a long presence in old Sacramento, and I want to challenge you that you would plant yourself in this church because I believe if you will, you will see fruit and we will see fruit in your life and beyond. God wants to do something through us. There's something powerful about the planting that happens. And so my challenge to us, church, that we would find in, in victory the planting and the freedom that God was meant for us to have in that victory. It says in Psalm 92, 13, that they are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish. 
and they flourish in the courts of God. When we flourish, we're bearing fruit. And I'm telling you, people want to see your fruit because they're craving for the victory that you have from being planted for their own lives. So plant yourselves, root yourselves so that we can bear fruit for others to enjoy and for others to be attracted to so that they can also find victory. So that's the joy of victory the joy of victory that um, he plants us and he frees us. But now how do we respond? I mean, now you can, we were talking about victory and it's like, yay, we're winning. I mean, sometimes, you know, when you like play a game at church or you play a game somewhere and it's like, oh, all I do is win. Like what, like there, sometimes that's not enough, right? And so the greatest reward is to enjoy a relationship with Jesus. Christ is our greatest reward. When we recognize that victory is ours, we recognize that we can't have it apart from him. And so if we know that we can't have it apart from him, and the closer we grow to him, it elicits a response from us. It should. A relationship with Jesus is going to, um, requ- it's going to conjure, require for you to respond in such a way There's three ways I want to give you. Number one, thanks and gratitude. Thanks and gratitude. When we win a victory, there's thanks and gratitude that we must respond with. And here's the thing about um, war. I think about warfare and battles, and I think about the army of armor of God. You read it in about in Ephesians, and you have to put on this armor to gear up for the battle, right? The spiritual battle. You have to be prepared. You put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and then you pick up this big, you know, shield of faith and the shoes of peace that are really heavy. And when you think of all those things that you're putting on, it's almost like you want to fall apart or you want to faint from the heaviness of it. It says in Isaiah 61, put on the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit for the spirit of heaviness. When you think about the armor of God and you going to battle, you taking the victory, it can be a heavy thing. It can be a heavy thing. Think about this armor that you're putting on. But he says, put on the garment of praise. Start thanking him. Start praising him. Start praising the victor before you put that all on. Because here's the thing. If you put armor on, it's not only heavy and it'll make you want to faint. It'll make you want to fall over and make put you possibly off balance. You know what balances you and won't know what protects you from the armor hurting your skin that you put on? It's a garment. It's an undergarment. Are you, you're probably thinking she's talking about undergarments. Yes, undergarments protect us. They protect us from the heaviness. They protect us from chafing. They protect us. They protect us. And I'm telling you, as you walk out this life of faith and as you go into battles in and out of them being victorious and as you go from glory to glory to glory, put your garment of praise on so that you can withstand all that, the heaviness that comes from being in the battle. Protect yourself and God will lift you up. God will lift you up. God will lift up your spirits and it will not be too much for you. And then the joy of the Lord that comes from thanking him and recognizing why you're so grateful to him for what he's giving you and the victory that he's giving you, that joy will become your strength. That, that joy will help you stay resolved in the battles because we're going to go from one battle to another battle for victory and victory and glory to glory. That's what God does in our lives. But put on the garment of praise. Thank him. Respond to victory with praise. So we, we woke up Friday morning to a call and an email that uh, our building 
had almost burned down in old Sacramento. And we got an email of pictures. Somebody had lit our two dumpsters behind our building. They're up against our building. They lit them on fire. And the security guy tried to put it out with a fire extinguisher, wouldn't go out. But there were black marks all the way up the brick on the back of our building. It cracked the window, but it didn't burn the wood. It just like turned the brick black. And let me tell you, I woke up that morning, I was thankful for some old Sacramento bricks. Come on, somebody. I said, the only fire up in here is going to be the fire of the Holy Ghost. Come on, church. But man, there are so many things that every day we can wake up and be thankful for. Our response to victory is thanks. Our response to victory is serving. Our response to victory is giving. Why do we do this? Because we have to? No, because we get to. We, we, we give thanks. We give. We serve out of the overflow of knowing that God has already given us the victory. How could we not be thankful? How could we not serve? How could we not give? Why? Because God gave us so much already. We must respond this way. Our response to victory must be just that response. We respond by doing something, by praising Him, by thanking Him, by giving to Him, by serving Him. We respond because we serve a God that's already given us the victory. But some of you are in this room today and you've been walking in a season and a, and a mindset of defeat. And maybe it's because you haven't fully surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, you will not feel or walk victorious until Jesus is the leader and the Lord of your life. So I want to give you a chance to respond right now. If you're here, you say, hey, I've been running from God. I've turned my back on God. Maybe you've never known Jesus. You've never surrendered your heart fully to Jesus. Today is your day. No longer will you walk in defeat or discouragement. God wants you to walk in victory, and it comes through him. Salvation through him, relationship with him. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here, that's you. You say, Caleb, Chrissy, I need Jesus. I want the victory that you're talking about, and I want to surrender my heart fully to Jesus for the first time. Maybe rededicate yourself today. Would you lift your hand right now? Go, if that's you. Don't hesitate. You know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Yes, hands are going up around the room. Come on, church. Clap your hands and make some praise for these. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. Give me the victory found in you. I love you. And I surrender to you today in your name. Amen. Stand to your feet, church. Come on. Get up, get up, get up. Get up, get up, get up. We left a little time at the end of the service for a reason. We're going to sing a song. This song declares, I'm going to see a victory. We're going to sing right now that I'm going to see a victory. But we wanted to illustrate this for you. So as we sing this song, in a moment, some people are going to come out with signs. And these signs are things that they've gained victory over through the power of Jesus in their life. And let this be a testimony to you. But I also want you to think about what area of your life do you need victory in? And as you look at these signs, I want you to begin to think, 
I today am believing that in 2020, I will have victory in my life in this area, in my marriage, in my finances, in my relationships, in my job, in, in, in some area of your life, you need victory. I want these signs and these people, let them be a testimony that you would believe for the victory that you need in your life in 2020. So would you sing with us, church, and would you believe for victory over your life? Come on, let's lift our voices. testimony so when God gives you a victory when he's given them victory he's given them strength to proclaim his goodness so that others can have victory so as you look at them as you see them 
as you declare that for yourself, make sure that you declare to others that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. That is victory in Jesus' name. So, hey, we want to invite you to do something physical so you can believe for your victory 2020. So I don't know if you notice, I've been wearing this wristband. And we got wristbands all across the front for every one of you here today. And these wristbands say victory 2020. We want you to come forward as we sing again and grab one of these in belief for whatever area of your life you are believing for victory in 2020. And also that you're believing for victory in 2020 over our church. These are real, these people. When Alyssa put death, two weeks ago she flatlined in the ER. And today she's standing here before you alive oh, because life is real. Our God is real. Jesus still heals. So I want to invite you forward as we sing. Right now, church, come forward and declare. Put this on. Victory 2020 in my life and in my church. Come on. Come up and grab your wristband. This word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.